We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fires downfield to Jamar Chase. He's got it. Wow. Takes it all the way. DJ Moore has a pass to the end zone. Jonathan Taylor. Touchdown. Pass is caught. Touchdown. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. And as always, I'm joined by Sean Siegel co-host of the road of his ot podcast co-host of stadium bananas one of my favorite podcasts each and every time they drop an episode they dropped one on wednesday a, a bumper episode sean i think would be 70 to 75 minutes long plenty of uh, discussion on that one that i really enjoyed so the listeners hopefully have heard that already if they haven't they can check it out this is the third episode of the week uh, we had two brilliant episodes earlier this week with peter Overzet. we talked zero rb which everyone obviously loves we had a couple of the funniest moments sean i think we ever had <laughs> while recording the podcast uh really enjoyed having pete on hopefully again the listeners have probably checked those out but if you haven't already if this is your first ever show welcome along but head back and check those shows out with pete it is episode 397 episode 400 will be next saturday's edition we are going to do a bonus Q&A show. It may end up being a live show, but at the moment we are looking for those listener-submitted questions for myself and Sean. We will drop that shortly after episode 400 as a bonus episode for you as the listeners. We enjoyed doing them a couple of months back, and we're going to do a couple of more of those, hopefully over the summer months, but we're going to have one especially for episode 400. So send those questions to me on Twitter, you know, at Overtime Ireland. You can send them via email to rotavizradio at gmail.com send them over we'll use the best ones on an upcoming show but sean the way i want to kick this show off is the entry music to the show joe burrow jamar chase have replaced Aaron Rodgers to Devonte adams hopefully again that that is soothing to the ears as people come in to listen to the podcast but for anyone with a sharp ear that is a monster deep touchdown that jamar chase caught against the green bay packers uh this season but there was a lot of clips to pick from but that one uh, seemed to just sound nice as it as it went into the intro music so uh, that was your shout last week and I think the appropriate call based on on how things went I, I couldn't take myself to put in one of the touchdowns from the um, from from the best ball finals week against the Kansas City Chiefs they had to they had to be ruled out of the discussion <laughs> but I still do notice that the, the winning entry into the intro music was 
the combination that, that beat us there in the finals. No, I, I, this is very exciting, right? And hopefully we'll be listening to a lot of these Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase touchdown calls over the next decade. Uh, it's been interesting to have Jamar Chase obviously at the top of the dynasty rankings. We have new dynasty rankings out on the site where the players are in tiers. Those tiers represent trade value. That has been a lot of fun in terms of working through. Curtis has had some content on the site talking about how his trades work within that framework. And then I'll have some more articles coming soon, including one on trading Javante Williams and what you need to get from him if you're going to part with uh, the sort of impending star that we think he could be. But Colum, it's also interesting because Joe Burrow has been very, very trendy in best ball drafts this season. And I was talking a little bit with Michael Dubner yesterday and it probably overdrafted at this point. So last year we couldn't figure out his ADP. It seemed to be way too low this year. I also can't figure out his ADP because I don't know. I mean, this just sounds like blasphemy and it certainly doesn't sound like, you know, you're staying on the right side of the force, but I mean, if you want those points, you probably just have to wait and draft Tom Brady a little bit later, right? I mean, we know that the Buccaneers are going to be more aggressive than most teams. I was going to say more aggressive than the Bengals, but there's a decent chance the Bengals come out and do less of the running Joe Mixon into the line this year that they did last season. But we'll see how that works. Obviously, people are very excited about Tom Brady. We had Michael Leone on the show recently. He said Brady is the guy who really pops in terms of their rankings compared to ADP. He obviously makes a good pick there. Mike Evans, I think also a good selection for the reasons he was pointing out. Zach and I were ecstatic. You know, we've talked a little bit about how it's harder to draft wide receivers in that three, four, five range this season, but we got the 109 and Justin Jefferson lasted to us, which I mean, that seemed absolutely crazy, right? I mean, th- for me still, and I know we've had people on the show present some different options, but I think there's a very firm top six tier and we actually had guys who were outside of that top six tier go number two and number three overall which was interesting but jefferson making it to us Diggs making it to us in round two he was john daigle's pick as a spectacular early first round pick when he was on the show and then mike evans lasted to us in round three tj hawkinson then coming back to us in round four so that's the dream first four rounds start for me there you get the three stud wide receivers you get the tight end who is at least a little bit cheaper than the big guns and for the reasons that pete mentioned on the show earlier this week there are some potential holes in the resumes of those top guys the main hole for tj hawkinson is just the lions quarterback situation and then he has struggled to stay healthy right so it's not that it's a guarantee, but I really like him to join the elite this season. We'll see how that works out, but have a lot more content on that FFPC never too early best ball draft coming up column. You and I are talking about doing a draft this weekend. Uh, what's the plan there? Yeah, we're going to figure that out. We're keeping the listeners will know. We keep these tight to our vest until all is signed, sealed and delivered um, because as the listeners know in our listener leagues last year, the ADP can get very highly skewed once there's a couple of the, the road of his guys in there. So we're going to hopefully see what we plan to do. But stay tuned to my Twitter feed, especially over Sunday afternoon. You may see uh, potentially it could be a live draft. We'll see. It'll definitely be coming out of some podcasts over the coming weeks, but 
we may, uh, if the interest is there, have it up and live as well. Myself and Zachary Kruger did one recently, so we'll see what myself and Sean do this week. We're kind of trying to think outside the box for things to help celebrate this episode 400, so let's see what we do there. But you mentioned Joe Burrow, Sean, and I do think that, you know, what's fresh in people's minds is the playoff run as underdogs all the way through to the Super Bowl, and that's going to boost up those values as well. So we'll see, like we were talking with Pete, will those things settle back will the kind of dust settle and um will adp kind of move with some of the running backs will that happen with some of these quarterbacks as well it's going to be fascinating to see over the coming months but lots to talk about now but sean we're going to dive into our guy last year we said that he should have been definitely a first round pick i thought at the time it was a bold prediction to say that i would have took him as high as the 106 which felt bold at the time but as the season progressed, didn't feel very bold. I guess a week before the season started, it was dramatically bold because he was starting to slide down draft boards, but that is Jonathan Taylor. And Jonathan Taylor had an amazing season last week. A lot of our fantasy teams that had very successful seasons were powered by Jonathan Taylor. You know, was going at the back end of the first round, early second round towards draft time. But you have noted in a recent article up on the website that no matter unless you're taking him with a 101 you're probably not paying a high enough price to draft him and of course those prices sometimes leak across into dynasty but in, in baseball specifically we have had some opportunities to draft him that we we have bypassed but it's very very hard to skip over somebody like jonathan taylor at the 101 um what is the case here of we should ultimately be going 101 on every single draft for jonathan taylor yeah, and it seems weird from one perspective because we are talking about the guy who's the most popular in 2022, a player who's coming off of a huge season. And yet, I want to make the case that Taylor has this sort of epic upside that would make him competitive with a healthy Christian McCaffrey, right? And sort of the, the thesis for this piece or the impetus for it was that I'd gone through three consecutive drafts without Taylor going with the top pick which we've discussed, I mean, that's justifiable. I mean, there are other guys there in terms of Christian McCaffrey, in terms of Cooper Cup that you could realistically look at, but both for best ball and then also for dynasty, thinking through kind of what the impact could really be for him. And we have a listener who made a trade in one of, actually a Triflex dynasty league that I'm in where uh, he was able to acquire Taylor for the 101, the 111, and Amon Ra St. Brown. That looks to be a pretty good trade there. It'll be interesting to see if the 101 has the kind of value that we usually associate with it after the draft. Brees Hall going at the 101 right now in most of these early drafts. Ben and I were talking about early rookie drafts in Ceiling Bananas this week. And then you have some guys like Traylon Burks and Garrett Wilson and Drake London who could also be in the mix based on where they go in the draft and then Malik Willis potentially also in the mix if he goes to the right situation and the enthusiasm about him continues to build. So those are some of the picks that could go in that range. The 111, I think, will actually be a solid pick too. We know that Amon Ra has this chance to be an impact player. He really was one of those guys in the fantasy playoffs last year who made a big dent, as Pete pointed out on the, the recent show. He's one of the players I think it's hardest to get a read on for 2022 because they've added dj chark i think they're likely to add another player yet whether it's an impact player or not probably is a little bit harder to tell but i think whoever ends up as the quarterback this coming season is actually going to have a, a pretty good 
group of skilled players. Talk about Hawkinson, you talk about Swift, the potential for the receiving core to be much, much better, a serious upgrade in a variety of ways. Does Amon Ra still have the volume there? But again, we talk about volume and we need to think about volume in terms of the receiver dictates the targets, right? The quarterback then dictates a lot of the efficiency, but the fact that St. Brown was able to not only get so many targets, but do so much with it in a you know a rough situation to close out last year. I think there's reason for optimism there. And so this Lions offense, it'll be easy to interesting to see how it develops. But we go back to this idea of Jonathan Taylor and Colin, one of the things in the article about him last year, where we talked about him being the key to really all of 2022, is that his talent is just off the charts right and so we look at taylor we look at him as a prospect and he more or less broke the running back prospect lab right he set a new standard he created this 100 score within the context of how that tool and that algorithm works and then his closest comps guys like todd Gurley, melvin gordon ezekiel elliott leonard fournette and obviously three of those four guys looked like superstars going into last year and now Fournette sort of rehabs his value and people looking at him a little bit differently. But the thing that I thought was interesting was that these guys added receiving value sort of as they went through their careers. And last year we got a little bit of that where he was up to, you know, a little over five receiving expected points per game until they hit that terrible stretch at the end where Carson Wentz just couldn't do anything, right? He has the three turnovers in week 12. He comes back out and then they go almost exclusively to Taylor. And as a result, over the fantasy playoffs, his receiving EP falls down into this two range, which obviously that's not going to get the job done. And so we're looking at that for him as sort of what happened last year. But then the next step as we look at this is that in year three, these guys made another big jump. Their total expected points go over 20. Then you're in this kind of situation where if you have an impressive fantasy points over expectation season, like Taylor did last year, you're up into that 24, 25 point per game range that we've seen from Le'Veon Bell, that we've seen from David Johnson. And the point that I wanted to make with this piece and looking at it a variety of different ways is that Taylor has Ladanian Tomlinson potential. Now, not Tomlinson potential in the year where he caught 100 passes, but that's actually not the season where he scored the most points, right? That was the season where he caught 56 balls. And kind of looking at Taylor within the context of this group, right? Ezekiel Elliott, First two years, high receptions, 32. Year three, he gets 77. Burnett, previous high, 36. Year three, 76. Gurley, previous high, 43. Year three, 364. And Gordon, 41, a jump to 58. Jonathan Taylor there at 37. You know, what will his jump be? And then the kind of final piece of the puzzle for this aspect of it is that Matt Ryan comes in and has been very favorable for these receiving backs, right? He led Devontae Freeman to his overall RB1 season in 2015. That was the year where Freeman has almost this coveted 
EP double double. He had 10.5 expected points as a rusher, 9.6 as a receiver, scored 21.4 points per game. But then he comes back last season, just as an example, averages 12.4 receiving EP to Cordero Patterson and Mike Davis, that number trail only Tom Brady and all of those checkdowns to Fournette. We get the situation where Phillip Rivers was at 12.8 in 2020. That number drops by three points per game last year with Wentz. Still pretty decent. And one of the things that we're looking at here is that Frank Reich's offense is very good for these guys. But Ryan now could be someone who supports both Taylor and Hines. One of the things interesting there, Tevin Coleman actually very good receiving numbers, even as he overlapped with Devontae Freeman they're in Atlanta with Matt Ryan. And so I think that in terms of a floor situation, we're looking good from the receiving perspective, but also that gives you the potential ceiling to where the real concern with Taylor is just, you know, where do all of those free points come from? Where does that overall EP profile get into the low twenties so that he can compete with a player like a Christian McCaffrey. And so Colin, that's, the first step in the process but it's only the first step yeah and i i do think that there's a lot of things you mentioned i mentioned jonathan taylor being our guy but matt ryan for all his faults over the last season or so has been kind of my guy when we are having these draft debates and you know a lot of last year was around uh, matt ryan or ryan fitzpatrick and ryan fitzpatrick missed the majority of the season and still might have had a better season for us than uh than matt ryan but i think him coming in is going to be hugely beneficial i think he has a, a big upgrade over carson wentz the other thing to note is the usage you know the efficiency of what taylor had last year i would expect him to get more volume this year the efficiency might come down but i think that that floor like you mentioned will still be there and looking at the early season last year he did finish over the 17 active games with a 69 percent of snaps played through the opening six weeks of the season it wasn't until week, week six against houston that he went over 60 percent and after that then he stayed above 60 percent the whole way but he only had four games above 80 percent usage and you know we you touched at the start could he be like you know christian mccaffrey mccaffrey rarely you know comes off the field gets all of those snaps gets all of those targets so there is the safe floor there for him but i i do think the upside is is going to be pretty spectacular if it can work and you would have to hope that they use him better in the the past game than they did in 2021. I know there was some Mondays when you recorded stealing bananas that uh, I could hear the uh, the aggro coming through from yourself and Ben as we talked about the usage for uh, for Jonathan Taylor, particularly in the passing game. Yeah, that that part was frustrating, and yet a fantastic season because the talent that you see in the running back prospect lab results and in these comps that are crazy it's translated directly into the nfl and he's been an absolute star right Colin, we know these yards after contact are important but they're usually pretty fully valued in terms of how drafters are valuing backs but these yards before contact blair andrews has some fantastic research in the wrong read suggesting that they are undervalued by fantasy drafters Taylor, number four in yards before contact as a rookie. He backed that up with, again, 2.2 yards before contact last season. Dalvin Cook, the only other back to go over 2.0 in both seasons. You know, you think about Cook and his ability to beat the defenders at the line, get through there unscathed. I mean, you're talking about the two guys who are able to beat defenders despite the fact that the defense knows that's what's coming 
right? I mentioned here that Taylor does it despite the fact that Carson Wentz isn't anyone's definition of a threat. He led the league in carries from inside the five-yard line. Those are obviously going to be heavy defensive fronts. And, you know, when you break through, the most you can get is those five yards closer to the end zone. So we know that even despite all of the things stacked against him, he's this fantastic runner. And then that portion of it, the yards before contact, that's going to be one of the elements where you then generate those long runs. And some people are saying, well, the, the long runs explain it. But that goes back to this element where people are not taking that seriously enough. And so then I go through in the article and look at, number one, his carries and touchdowns from the five-yard line are closer. And then number two, the long runs. And one of the things that we see is that there are players who are able to back up the kind of season that Taylor had as a runner. Now, it doesn't mean that you're going to have it every single year, but Ladanian Tomlinson, just an absolute juggernaut on these short carries. Sean Alexander does it multiple times. Priest Holmes, multiple times. Arian Foster, multiple times. Todd Gurley, multiple times. And then you've got guys like Dalvin Cook and Adrian Peterson who are kind of close in there with some of the things that they've done. Then you look at these long runs and you see a situation where, okay, Taylor's got the five long scores already. Can he keep that up? We know that within the context of any individual season, the scoring a lot of touchdown, long touchdowns is unlikely. But in terms of what the ceiling would be for a player like this, I mean, Chris Johnson had nine touchdowns of 30 plus yards in 2009. Now, there's a guy with sub 4-3 speed. And so even Taylor doesn't quite have that much speed, but Taylor also someone who 225 pounds. And so he's this unique player who can do both the short yardage and these long runs. A player who pops over and over and over in these long run touchdown categories is Adrian Peterson, right? And if anything, we have reason to believe that Jonathan Taylor is a little bit bigger of a talent than Peterson. You go back then and look at, well, you know, what's the type of player who would do both of these things? And you're really looking at sort of a, a 2006 Ladanian Tomlinson, right? That year he scored 15 touchdowns from in close, six touchdowns from distance, 31 overall. He gains 1,800 rushing yards, catches 56 passes, finishes with over 2,000 yards from scrimmages, and scores 483 fantasy points, the only campaign this century to best Christian McCaffrey's 2019. So we're looking at Christian McCaffrey, and can he – put together the 2019 again, we know that some things are going to have to go right. When we look at Jonathan Taylor to put up a score like that, I mean, obviously things would have to go very, very right. That's over 30 points per game. Tomlinson also had a season where he scored about 27.8, which I think that's a, a much more realistic ceiling, right? But if you got Taylor into that 27, 28 point per game range, then you're starting to look at him as a player who not only finishes as the top running back, but separates in a way that he just frankly did not last year in part because of the slow finish. And so the idea here, again, is to keep on, not that we think that he's going to do that this season, but you have the high floor and then you have the potential for a season like that to come sometime in the next two or three years. And there's always the possibility that Taylor would stay a little bit healthier than guys like Gurley and, you know, even Elliott, who has hung on actually pretty decently, even though now he's obviously in the decline phase. Melvin Gordon, someone who is hanging on okay, just not quite at the same level that he was at previously. 
you have the potential for him to maybe do more than a Le'Veon Bell, a David Johnson. Now, the point of this, again, is to think through the different potential outcomes, not to say for sure he's going to do it. We don't know that he's going to stay healthy. We don't know that he's going to have that season this year. But you need to have that type of potential outcome when you're looking at these backs at the top of a draft. And after McCaffrey and Taylor, I really think that that potential disappears. Right? I mentioned in the intro that Zach and I were able to get Justin Jefferson because a couple of other players had gone really early in a Najee Harris and a Javante Williams. Both of those guys entering year two, we know that the year two players often explode. We know that Harris is looking at this crazy workload. We know that Javante Williams was probably the best back in the NFL who was actually worthless in fantasy last year. So again, not actually the best back, but a guy who could take a huge jump. And now people are very excited with the news that Melvin Gordon you know, may move on to the Ravens as opposed to go back there in Denver. Those guys could easily jump into this low 20 range. They're not Jonathan Taylor, right? And they don't have that same potential outcome now taylor had already gone in that draft so this was one where christian mccaffrey was actually the follower so then you turn around and be like you know we need to be looking at why mccaffrey should be going ahead of these guys but some interesting kinds of of elements here and pushing back just a little bit on this idea that some of the things that taylor did weren't sustainable because superstars of his ilk have multiple seasons in their career that includes some of these characteristics. That doesn't mean it's going to be 2022, but we don't want to write off these stars as belonging to the same types of categories that the normal NFL, even well above average starters, belong to. Hey, Rotoviz fans. This is Dave Cabin from the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast, taking a minute to let you know that as a loyal Rotoviz listener, you can get 10% off a one year subscription when you use the promo code RVRADIO2022 at checkout. It gives you full access to all of our content and tools. And again, that's RV Radio 2022 at checkout for 10% off a one-year Rotoviz subscription. Enjoy the podcast. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. 
Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sean, we're going to look now. We did mention on, on a couple of shows and it has been a, an ongoing topic. I know we mentioned the newsletter on one of the, the podcasts earlier this week and for the listeners, I would highly recommend to head on over and sign up for the free Rotovis newsletter if you haven't already done so. But Curtis had some conversation in that, but uh, talking about the staff, the Rotovis staff underdog draft that has been ongoing. And this is the one where we're talking about Sean not drafting a wide receiver through three rounds, going running back, running back, running back to start. And Michael Dubner's piece up on the website talks about it had surprising twists and turns with Mr. Zero RB going zero wide receiver. Uh, so there's a lot of fun conversation, Sean, happening around this recent draft that is uh ongoing but the draft board is up through six through ten rounds so we have all ten rounds up on the website for people looking to check into those but obviously it's half point ppr over at underdog is there anything sean outside of your incredible start to the draft uh, how's things playing out for you since that i know there has been uh, in round six and seven two running backs taken or two wide receivers sorry taken off the board for you but uh, it's not it's not been all wide receivers since that point right and so i think then the even trickier element was that i didn't select a wide receiver in, in round four or five either because came back with tj hawkinson and then justin herbert and the herbert selection was a little bit odd i think i was looking to see where some of these other quarterbacks would go and just to build out a little bit of a, a different roster since it was going to be so unique anyway but then round six juju smith schuster round seven Kadarius tony coming back in round eight with russell wilson round nine albert owen round 10 kareem hunt so the issue here is just that the wide receiver value was terrible throughout these rounds now i think that tyler boyd in round eight would have been a possibility one of the things that was happening is that i would take a player sort of close to the turn here and then michael hitchcock would have two picks at the turn and invariably he would take sort of the top guy on my board which is something that you do expect and at the same time uh, it's always interesting to see sort of like minds on some of those players at that point but one of the things that we're looking at here and when you get behind in a draft or you get in a situation where you're using a different construction than you usually use and then you know you're going to have a position that you need to fill back in the thing that i always recommend to people is don't chase right because we see so often in these situations where someone then has a position that they're weaker at and they're thinking okay well now i'm going to balance my roster out by picking that position through this next grouping even if the board is flat there or the values are poor there one of the things that I like to do in those events is actually finish out the positions that I'm already strong at with even more strength if that's what people are sort of pushing the draft in the direction of, right? So I like the value of Russell Wilson to go with Justin Herbert. You can have just the two QBs that way, and you're going to have high-end QB production. So with the three running backs to start, you're thinking, okay, running back scoring is going to be very good. You need to have the health if you're going to take that risk on the running backs. We know that that was one of the problems is that you're building a lot of downside into your roster through the running back injuries. 
But in this case, when you're gambling to win this particular league, you need those guys to stay healthy. That helps you with the flex position if they do, because the running back scoring in the underdog is going to be something that helps you then potentially in the flex come back with Kareem Hunt in round 10, a fantastic value there. Sort of round that out to them. We can be very wide receiver heavy in rounds 11 through 20. The selection of Albert O, obviously very high on him, but again, the same idea where tight end is going to be strong, QB is going to be strong, running back is going to be strong, and then don't have to worry about that as we draft in the double-digit rounds. Now, it's not a matter of, okay, suddenly this is easy or there are no problems with it, or you can just simply switch to wide receiver and now everything is fine. One of the things that we talk about a lot is that the roster construction explorers have been <laughs> very definitive in saying, look, wide receiver is not deep that the way people think these areas that the running back heavy drafters are trying to select wide receiver. Those are actually wide receiver dead zones. And so you know that in some ways you're drafting against what history is telling you, but you do want to have an approach then that balances out. One of the things that is kind of weird and we do see from drafters is that they start heavy at a particular position, but then in the end, their whole team is balanced. Whereas what we obviously want to do is if you have a heaviness in the early rounds, that has to be balanced out by them being very light at that position overall and very heavy at the position that you don't have enough players from in the high leverage rounds. And so you want to be light in terms of total number of running backs, very heavy in total wide receivers. Obviously, then in rounds 11 through 20, I'm almost exclusively wide receiver. And one of the things that we talk about from time to time, Colin, and I think is important or is fun, is that we have these structures that we know work. They're our usual approach. We use them in most of our drafts. But you do have a handful of guys who don't really fit your structure that you like. And you can't just shoehorn them into a structure that doesn't work because it breaks the structure but if you have some drafts where you've gone against your normal tendencies then you have this fun opportunity to go back through and pick those players that you like but don't get because they don't really work for you and so i have a whole bunch of them in rounds 11 through 20 and the idea here that we've talked about a little bit is just getting exposure to some of these players they're probably not the big volume receivers but the receivers who are connected to elite quarterbacks or their rookie wide receivers to where we have a very wide range of outcomes. So we add a bunch of those guys to the roster and we're looking at potential scenarios where that could work out. So in some ways you're still kind of drafting against the tide, but you put together an overall draft where if the things break correctly, it could work out. Whereas obviously the issue that people run into is when they draft a structure and a team within that structure where even if they're right they're not going to win one of the things that i think that is interesting watching you do this draft and i know with us drafting in the past many times and you know trying to see what different structures it's not just a case of we only want to go zero rb in every single draft and again this is another example of going a different way depending on the draft position and how the draft falls but what are some of your key takeaways from you know starting off with three running backs and this not having any wide receivers in those first five rounds in this draft scenario you know how are you looking at approaching it moving forward over the the coming months is it the case that you think this is going to be one of the only drafts that start this way or do you think you're going to have more that that might be tailored in this direction well i was thinking there might be a few more one of the things that we do see in the rotoviz 
underdog roster construction explorer which will be coming out uh, within the next week or so it might even be out when this episode releases but definitely soon is that a running back running back start was very effective in this half ppr format last season now the flip side of that is that running back running back was much more effective overall last year than it has been historically in part because the round two running backs were so awesome and in most seasons when you add that second running back to the first round exposure it knocks down your overall win rate so i think there's going to be this potential rush to get the two running backs within the underdog format because it was so effective last year and kind of missed the fact that some of that is unique to 2021 now not all of it but some of it is at the same time i think that we're going to like the round two and round three running backs again this season and i think there's going to be especially if you have a pick in the second half of round one there's going to be the temptation to potentially go wide receiver running back running back and then proceed from there now there are some issues with that as well but it'll be interesting because one of the things that i've been caught up in so far is just that if you have a pick in the top two or three and i've been fortunate enough to have a lot of those so that's you know you can go through an entire draft season and not have too many of those top picks but the best players coming back almost always have been running backs and that's tough because you don't necessarily want to stack more running backs on top of your christian mccaffrey or jonathan taylor but if you're sitting there and all of the guys that you look at as being true difference makers are gone all of these guys that you think could hit 18 to 22 points per game are gone and you're looking at a deandre swift or you're looking at a saquon barkley then it's very difficult not to take those players because i mean as pete said on the show earlier this week you're looking at those guys as potential top five guys that's why you would take them there you don't take running backs there to get you know your 16 ep a game with a team profile or a talent profile we're like i don't think that that guy is going to add three or four fantasy points over expectation hardly ever maybe once in his career he has some kind of a crazy season where the touchdowns fall right but mostly i'm looking at a 16 ep guy and also a zero fpoe guy that's not the person you're wanting to take in that range but if you see someone that you think could be the overall running back one it's hard to then just say well i'm going to take wide receivers because that's the structure if the wide receivers are just like the guys that you're going to be taking in rounds four and five but again then the problem is once you get to rounds four and five what do you do right because if you're in a wide receiver heavy draft those players are also gone and so that's why we talk so much about you've got to draft in the opposite direction too you've got to have a really good understanding of what it's going to cost you one of the reasons that i think the elite qb is so popular right now is that it's not so much people are saying okay well these elite qbs are going to win us our leagues and we're okay taking them in round five but people are looking at the wide receiver in round five the wide receiver in round eight saying those guys are so similar that i would just as soon make that switch where i'm going to go ahead and take the qb that i think actually is going to outscore by more than that difference at wide receiver and i'll just take the wide receiver in round eight as we move through the season and the tiers shift out a little bit maybe the rookies rise or the quarterback situations get better for more players and you're thinking okay well now there's a tier break 
some people are going to stick because they're going to say, well, look, these are the ADPs that are established. This is the strategy that's been established this season. I'm going to keep going with that. And then some drafters are going to say, look, that's the reason for that was not just because that's what ADP is. The reason was because that was the trade-off that really worked in that draft. It no longer works. And so I'm going to go in the opposite direction. So I think that part of it will be interesting. But the flip side of it then is that in the second half of drafts, you see wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver. And it actually looks like this zero RB dreamscape and maybe one of the best years that we'll see for it. And so there have been some other seasons that this has been mildly the case. I don't remember one that it seemed just so strikingly the case to where, you know, a a top three or four pick is running back times three a bottom seven pick is wide receiver times five. We'll see if it develops like that. I don't think that it will, because obviously you're talking about some very specific guys, but this is too, you know, why I think that, you know, we had to talk with Pete about diversification and portfolios and exposures. The players, the specific players who are available do matter, right? And you look at the profiles of those guys and you work through, well, how could they get, to a 22 point per game season how could they get to a 24 point per game season what do we know about them and both them specifically and guys who have had their profile in the past you know their offenses all of that kind of thing and you're talking about specific players and as the players move around it's going to influence the structure so that's why i think that the drafting is so fun why the structure doesn't limit you right it's the idea is to amplify what you're doing you're going to make the structure work with the players that are there player selection i think still very very important as you go through here if you're overweight on the league winners which i strongly believe you could be then you're going to have very good seasons it's going to be a really fun season you mentioned there a couple of different things that were, were fascinating around the overall structures and um the draft that i did recently with zachary kruger we drafted from the 104 slot and we talked before the draft about if you're drafting from kind of 101 through 104 like you touched on there when you're getting into the second and third round and into the fourth round there's a lot of the best picks are running backs unless things work out for you perfectly at wide receiver so um definitely definitely on point there also i'll give another tease to it there may be a live draft this weekend there may not but check out my twitter feed on sunday to see what comes to fruition there but we've been getting a lot of positive feedback on the live drafts that we've been dropping number of emails and dms coming in thanking us for that content so we will keep putting those out whatever you are enjoying listening to we'll continue to try and make as much of that as we can so we will be dropping that as a live podcast draft as well over the course of the next week so stay tuned for that but just in case it does go up live as a stream uh, check out my twitter feed which is at overtime ireland you can see any updates if they do come to fruition there as always you can get yourself a 10 percent discount off a road of his nfl pass all you have to do is add the code rv radio 2022 at checkout that'll get you access to all of the content and tools up on the website sean teased the the underdog tool that will be going up over the next couple of days or the next week or so you get access to that and all the other fantastic content that is up on the site including the piece from michael dubner that we talked through today about the best ball draft and also the piece that sean talked through with jonathan taylor lots of great insights in there as well if you want to head on over and check up the comparisons to some of the historical comps for jonathan taylor that's going to do it for today's episode of the show it was the third episode of the week check out the episodes with pete overset if you haven't done so already click the subscribe button on the rotoviz youtube channel 
And of course, give me a follow over on Twitter at Overtime Ireland and, and check out all of Sean's work up on rotaviz.com, especially that Taylor piece we talked through today. And until we're back on Tuesday with Scott Barrett, have a good one. Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz with a discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. <laughs>